Welcome one, welcome all to the fourth episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. My name is Richard, and I'll be your host and moderator. I have the pleasure and privilege of the company of my three co-hosts this evening, Kent. Hey, what's up? Kai. Hello. And Joel. Hey there. And as we always must, there's first a bit of housekeeping before we charge ahead full bore into spoilers. Firstly... There's an upcoming tournament we would be remiss not to mention. Uh, the 7th Annual Hunter Burton Memorial Open is coming up here at the end of March in the Dallas area. It's a tournament put on in the name of raising suicide awareness, and they've made the decision to expand their Unless something changes in the near future, the start time is looking to be 1 p.m., but if you plan on coming, I'd go ahead and leave yourself a little wiggle room. That reminds me. As of the time this podcast will be released, uh, our Player of the Year update article will have been posted on our site. It announces we're officially accepting submissions for larger regional events to count toward the point total for the Player of the Year tournament in uh, April 2020 or so, I guess Q2, uh, 2021, pardon me. The Hunter Burton tournament is a great example of the type of event we're talking about. Uh, submissions will be accepted at either transformyourgame.net at gmail.com uh, or through the contact us section of our website. Uh, you can also expect articles to be going up with more regularity from here on out since we've mostly got this whole podcast thing rolling and underway. I guess the only other thing we wanted to cover this week is our weekly shout-out. I know it kind of started as kind of an ad hoc thing last week, uh, and this week's shout-out, since we like doing it so much, uh, is going out to the Gaming vs. Cancer event coming up this weekend. It's another awesome cause similar to the Hunter Burton, uh, although it's obviously got a different target, uh, and they actually have a Transformers TCG Constructed Tournament going on during the event, as well as a bunch of other games. If you're looking for something great to support, and you're anywhere near the Southampton area this weekend, try and support it, go ahead and try and make it out. Um, and now, the moment we've all been waiting for, spoiler time. Let's dig in, boys. <laughs> I'm right. sure you're already tired of my voice, uh, but I'll go ahead and read the first one. Uh, so we're going to start on the characters, and the first character up is going to be Wind Charger. Uh, so Wind Charger is super rare. I believe all the super rares actually are regular characters, which is really cool. Uh, but what it does is a seven-star Autobot card. It's a car in melee in alt mode, and it's got four attack, 11 health, and one defense. And it has plus three attack during the first turn of the game in this mode. And then when you flip him to the other side, he stays melee but loses car uh, in bot mode, and he's got three attack, 11 health, and gains a defense up to two. And it says, when you flip to this mode, draw a card, then plan one. Okay, so I love when characters are supposed to be attacking in alt mode. Um, that's kind of like the first thing that pops up to me about this card. Is on the first turn, this guy wants to be in alt mode, which means he's not as flip intensive of a character as some of uh, the other kind of like really powerful attackers we've seen have been. Uh, the plus three means he's got a base seven in an orange deck. That means you're attacking for, on average, at least nine on the first turn of the game for seven stars, which is fantastic. Um, and the fact that he's not flip intensive in the early parts of the game means that you can kind of set up with your other guys who really need to be flipped to their other modes in order for them to be kind of effective pieces of your team. Um, on top of that, he's got built-in card, card advantage, and because he's a car, that means you can play him alongside Cliff Jumper if you wanted to really go nuts there. Uh, when he, flip, he would flip to the bot mode, he would get to draw two cards, one for the Cliff Jumper trigger and then one for Wind Charger's trigger itself. Um, I don't know that the plan much is gonna plan one's gonna come in much, but uh, yeah, it's my first thoughts on this guy. Cool, yeah, I played cars at length in uh, wave one and beginning of wave two as well. Usually with cliff jumper and sometimes with uh, ten star wave two B, I I'm really not sure um, about the lineup that Wind Charger goes with. Uh, obviously, he goes in a card stack. Love the fact that he's swinging for seven plus, probably at least nine on his first turn, which is nothing to kind of brush off. That's very, very powerful. And then once you transform him with Cliff Jumper, hey, let's draw two right now. Question is, is who is the other bot that goes with him the best? Is it Wave 2B? Is it Wheeljack? Who's the best fit for the Cars deck now? Does Wind Charger really even go in the Cars deck anymore? I think that he might. 
Um, but it's definitely going to take some playtesting before we know for sure. I think he actually works better in like a four wide type of deal because he's he's really cheap and being able to swing for seven at seven stars is is crazy. Like there's a reason why he's in SR because they don't want that to happen in limited all that much. I feel you want him to be in four wide because him drawing you is basically re- sort of replacing Cliff Jumper's ability type kind of deal. So, Ooh. but I mean. It, just seven attack is the reason why you want to play him because you want to get in there immediately. Because uh, you could play. There's also the option to pair him with a uh, uh, private downshift, which that which is one of the uh, omnibots. So you can uh, play a weapon on him if you have a weapon in your hand first turn, and then he just swings for even more. So, hmm. but that makes it 15 stars. So it's basically the same problem <laughs> as with cliff jumper. So right, yeah. Wind Charger does give you the same kind of ability to double up on drawing cards from Cliff Jumper, much like Dead End, and he would fit in a deck with Dead End and, and another five-star car, but he doesn't have to be in a car deck. Um, none of the none of his abilities are anything specific to cars, so he can just be a big swinger. When I see seven stars on an aggressive, an obviously aggressive character like this, the first thing that pops in my head is something like replacing fire drive in a blaster deck and flip over blaster and throw a grenade launcher on this guy. And he's swinging for a lot on turn one. I mean, that's obviously the best case scenario getting a grenade launcher, but that's what you want to be doing with this kind of deck. And it's on your, it's, it's on your first turn, not just the first turn that he gets Mm -hmm. plus three. So you could also have the ability to play an action or an upgrade to go with that. So he can KO a lot of things on your very first turn in something like an aggressive blaster deck. Yeah, I mean, do you guys have any um, any consideration for whether you think this card is like really, I guess its power level is kind of really affected by the die roll? Because, I mean, tell me if, tell me if this isn't like you guys' experience, but kind of a lot of what I have seen happen when you're on the draw with an aggressive deck is that their, your opponent will throw out kind of their first guy who they don't care if he dies, or they don't care if he gets hit with a ton of damage. You know, you could swing into him for a ton of bricks, and a lot, a lot of times we should be like, yeah, he's mostly a shield. That's the reason that character, or she, is is actually even like on the team, right? Skydive comes to mind. Skydive is a great example, or Aimless in any of the lineups that play Aimless. or I mean, there's a whole ton of things that are kind of in that same vein. Whereas, like, if you're on the play with Wind Charger, being able to take that plus three attack, you know, that built-in leap into battle kind of into any character on their team seems, not infinitely, but significantly more powerful to me as, like, a game option. I don't know. I was thinking about the four cards, the four wide cards deck, but uh, as, like, a potential build form, just the fact that you get to double up on, like, the dead-end ability, but... I'm not sure. I think you just want to be in an aggressive shell that uh, likes going first. I mean, or maybe you can like kind of compensate for the lack of power in Wind Charger when you're on the draw through other means. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it has room, because of its low star value, it has room to fit into a multiple, you know, different deck archetypes. So I think it's interesting. Yeah, definitely worth being an SR, right? I like it. All right, well, uh, Wind Charger also has a stratagem. Um, it's called All Out. It's one star. And then it says it's a consumable one, which I think are the most interesting ones, even if they're not the most powerful. But it says once per game, Wind Charger, is, he attacks, and he's your only character on the battlefield. He gets plus three attack into end of battle, and then you get to flip it uh, back face. Or it's, it's consumed. I don't know that this is going to be really what you want to be doing with Wind Charger, in that I think because he wants to be attacking first because of the bonus on his uh, alt mode, that he's very unlikely to be your last remaining character since he only has 11 11 health is nothing to sneeze at, but one defense is just nothing, really. Um, And if he wants to be getting aggressive, then I really just don't see very many worlds where he lives for this to be relevant. Um, I'm a little bummed that he has to be the only character on the battlefield. I think it'd be maybe too good if that, that text wasn't on there. You would have to be able to, I guess, like, if you use on the first turn, it's too, it's too busted for me. But I'm not really interested in the strategy. I'm interested much more in the seven-star character. What about y'all? Yeah, I agree with that. It it seems hard for Wind Charger to be the last surviving bot on your team. 
if he was the first one to lead out the attack. So unless, you know, you just have some big giant target like jet fire that, you know, your enemy wants to really zone in on killing him, then I, I don't, it's hard to think of a time when this is actually going to be useful. Yeah. I think that's all we have to say on that. Right guys. Yep. Yeah. I don't really have much to add to that. This card is almost unplayable. Don't worry. We've got some, some actually unplayable ones uh, further in the cast. Oh, in that right. Joel. That, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. The next card is Roadbuster. He is also an SRT, and in alt mode, he is a leader and a wrecker. He It looks like he might be a truck car, but he's neither. He is only a leader and a wrecker, and I think that's uh, pretty significant to point out. Uh, he, has, he has 11 stars. He has 5 attack, 14 health, and 3 defense. When he is in alt mode, when you upgrade this with an armor, repair 1 damage from him. Going over to bot mode, he is still a leader and a wrecker, but he is not melee, ranged, or specialist. Uh, very important to point out. Um, he has now 6 attack, 14 health, and 2 defense. When you upgrade this with a weapon, do 1 damage to an enemy. I feel like this guy is better than a lot of people are giving him credit for. Yes, his star count is high. I love the fact that he has three defense in alt mode and the fact that you can repair him as you're suiting him up. Mm. Uh, he could easily go into an orange shell as a you know heavy attacker. That's kind of where I see him. And especially in his bot mode, you start giving this guy weapons like power punch, and now I give him a grenade launcher, and now that's gone. So I give him erratic lightning or something else, whatever it is. Every time you do that, you're dealing one more point of damage to whoever you want. I mean, free zaps are pretty cool, especially in an orange build. Uh, so judging from what the other records that we've seen, it seems like they actually want to be in a blue shell for, from what I'm getting at. Because um, basically in a blue shell, making your weapons, getting giving them plus one is pretty, pretty significant, even if you can... Uh, because you don't have to spread the damage to anyone or to just the defender. It can be on anyone else. And then the healing is extra padding three times, of course. We have to mention that is pretty, pretty neat. Um, <laughs> I love <laughs> it. Extra padding. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think this guy, I, w I want to see the record battle card first before I give judgment on this guy because it feels. Like, we don't know the whole story with this guy. Like, why he doesn't have any other tags besides Leader and Wrecker. So I, I don't really know if I have that many opinions of him until I see that card, mm -hmm. if we get it. When I see 11 stars in an aggressive deck, it's having to compete with General Optimus from Wave 3. The bold that everybody gets is better than what this guy is bringing to the table. He's a leader also, but so is General Optimus, so you don't get any of the leader perks like Matrix of Leadership on top of what General Optimus would give you. And the, the one damage is great, but you can think that you're getting all that extra damage from the extra bold that General Optimus is giving everybody. And uh, he's not bigger. He's not stronger, so I, I just think that this guy's really going to be competing with General Optimus if you're talking about putting it in an aggressive deck. You didn't betray me. You betrayed yourself. Yeah, um, I think one thing to, to mention is that Matrix of Leadership, while it does work on him because he's not a bot leader, um, it doesn't actually trigger either his alt or bot mode abilities, and I think that's going to hurt him. Um, just the fact that, like... It feels like you're kind of being torn during your upgrade kind of action during the during the turn, right? I guess your upgrade phase, you could call it, right? Um, but you won't want to play an armor or, an, or a weapon on him in order to like actually get value out of the text in his text box. But the utility might end up being the best thing for him. I'm not really sure. Uh, I have no idea why he doesn't have either a combat tag or a vehicle tag in either mode. That kind of boggles my mind. Um, I wonder if it's kind of something they're trying to, you know, experiment with in the same way that they're trying to experiment with the windsweeper having the vehicle tag in bot mode, right? Like maybe this is just a one-off thing, and they think 
if this doesn't matter that much, maybe this is something we can explore in the future as a way to kind of depower certain characters. I, I am glad that Kai made sure to get our one requisite mention of extra padding into the episode. <laughs> uh, because I think it, it, we, you know, we're contractually obligated to mention extra padding. Extra padding. Extra padding. Extra padding. In every single episode. Um, and uh, it's nice to get out of the way early is all I'm, just, all I'm saying. This guy doesn't really impress me though. Um, I do think he's going to be a house in sealed, but he's a super rare, so you're not going to see him very often. I really am looking for either a battle card that specifically works very well with Wreckers, or at least a couple of cards that have kind of like those conditional pips that are based on the Wrecker symbol. I think if there's any number of cards that are solid and playable with those Wrecker symbol pips on them, that that might make Roadbuster something we're really interested in exploring in the future. But as of now, I just don't see that much to him. He does have a stratagem. Um it True. says your deck can have one extra star's worth of weapons and one extra star's worth of armors. I'm not seeing that that's going to be huge right now. However, that can really change in the future as they release more star cards that are weapons and armors. You're you're totally right. You're totally right. Uh so I mean the only weapons uh, the only uh, star cards that we have that are weapons and or armors right now is currently multi or mounted missile, excuse me, and uh, energized field, I believe. And uh, we uh, there's also um indestructible sword as well, but oh, and there's a uh, blast shield. Yes, yes, you are you are correct. There is blast shield. <laughs> Ignoring the last two that we that we discussed about, uh, I think that means that you can play a double orange and then a double blue in your a deck for like either seven of either. I think that's pretty neat. But uh, the one thing to note is Mountain Missiles will trigger his uh, zap ability. So I think that's probably the one you'll choose over Indestructible Sword. Mm. <laughs> I, I think these stratagems like this are pretty cool, where they cost you one star and they allow you to put two more stars in your deck. If you were going to put those uh, one of those cards in your deck anyway, like let's say you had room and were going to put a Mountain Missile in your deck, you might as well play the stratagem and play that and another star card if you can find one that's relevant. There's not that many of them right now, so this card will get stronger over time if uh, Roadbuster is a is a usable card. Yeah, I also think it's important to mention that I don't believe we've seen any star card battle cards yet this set, have we? We have not. Not yet. That's interesting. I wonder if they're saving them for the kind of like end of spoiler season to preserve the hype going into release. I do think something to note here is that uh, something that, that people might miss in trying to evaluate this card, maybe like newer players, this actually only nets you up one star, right? So one of the things I think can be powerful in gauging how effective some of these stratagems are is how many stars you get for how many stars you're spending. So I think there's a couple of things that there's a couple ones like make it really easy for that to be a comparison. I think one that's a great comparison here is actually Sky Shadow Sync, right? So this is going back a long ways, like to the beginning of spoiler season. And this is this the stratagem that combines the two Sky Shadow pieces, one of them is KO'd into the big Sky Shadow piece and pulls the ominous outside of the game onto that combined characters ahead. So because that card is getting you three stars of a head from spending one star, and it's very likely going to give you another attack from uh, just like the combined character coming in untapped, it really means that that card is probably getting you somewhere in the in neighborhood of two to two and a half value worth of stars just from spending one, Though, which thus means it's going to be, you know, uh, deck building restriction aside, that's a pretty awesome rate in all honesty. Whereas uh, weapons cash, you're getting two stars for spending one star, and the deck building restriction is not in the character lineup. It's in the actual battle deck where uh, slots are kind of tight at this point. I don't know if you guys are kind of feeling that yourselves, uh, but it's only actually netting you up one star. So I'm not sure if it's the best rate to be spending on the card. That's my personal opinion. Um, I, I wouldn't. I would be shocked if we didn't get more more star cards, maybe armors or weapons in this set. But as of now, I'm just not super excited to play this. I, you know, I think that the opinion may change a little bit if we ever see a double blue weapon that is a star card 
or a double orange armor that's a star card. We have they haven't printed anything like that yet, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it you know if you could run an energized field and then a double blue weapon, well now I'm playing eight double blues in my deck. Kind of cool. All right. So the next one is Night Racer. Uh, she's a car range uh, five stars. She's three attack, eleven health, two defense, and while you have a face down or face up secret action. Each of your characters get tough one. And then in her bot mode side, she's range 4, 11, 1. And while you have a face down or face up secret action, each of your characters has bold one. So obviously, I think we need to make the comparison to Flame War because they're both five stars and they both give tough one or bold one to everyone. And I think she's probably actually a little better than Flame War. Yeah, there's a few reasons why she might be better than Flame War. In the right deck, she's always giving tough one on on the beginning turn. You don't even have to flip her over. Uh, plus, more health. More health is always good. And the added bonus that she's a car. She could go in some sort of cars deck or something like that to go with Cliff Jumper and drawing a bunch of cards. She's also ranged. I think that's important to note. Right, I don't mean to belabor the same point we talk about every single time we meet and talk about this kind of thing, but ranged characters just right now have the highest incentives. If you're going to pick a combat tribe for a character, if you have two basically equivalent characters and one of them is ranged, right now it's just correct to pick that character. That may change in the future, but it's just objectively true right now. You know, One of the virtues of Wind Charger that I was extolling was the fact that you know, early in the game, it's not a very flip-intensive card. I really, I thought that that added a lot to deck building because some of the think the most powerful decks to play, I guess not powerful, but some of the uh, best choices to play for decks at tournaments are decks with easy flip sequences for your characters. I don't know if you've ever talked about this point before. Yeah, flip density. Yeah, that's well, yeah, not just flip density, but also if it's very, if it's basically always correct to flip your characters in a certain way in the early turns of a game, it minimizes the number of cascading mistakes you can make, right? Mm-hmm. Like from uh, whether it's lack of experience or nerves, it's a way to kind of help you combat that. Um, and I think Night Racer, obviously wanting to be, or I guess in my opinion, obviously wanting to be in a blue based deck with lots of secret actions, and that you don't have to flip her early in the game then I think that, that that's that's in and of itself like an extra point of value for it. Oh, Being yeah, five stars is an incredible rate too. Yeah, I'm super excited for Night Racer. As soon as I saw this card, not only is it a deep cut into the lore of, of the game, uh, she was a BotCon exclusive way back. And that's <laughs> that's really cool. And the fact that she's an SRT and has such a powerful ability. Obviously, you want to pair her with either Wave 3 Shockwave or Wave 3 Skywarp or any other card that they release that loves secret actions in a blue or even perhaps a mixed pip shell hmm. or, or even a mixed black and blue. There's there's so many possibilities starting to open up with this game, uh, and it has me really excited. Yeah, I, I agree with all those points, but the main reason I'm actually super excited about Night Racer is her stratagem. So her stratagem reads, your deck can have up to two extra stars of secret actions. So right now we only know of two secret actions in the game that do that. Even the score, which is double orange, and heroic resolve, which is double blue. And my god, both of those secret actions are ridiculous. It's true. <laughs> Even just playing here, you get eight doubles of whatever color you want automatically right off the bat. And then if you're playing Autobots, like say you play her with Battlefield Legend, you, you just get two free heroic resolves. So your your big boy is going to live even longer from, by flipping the defense. But if you play that card, then it's just so crazy how much value she gives to your teams with just the stratagem and the fact that she also gives tough one when you play those. Tough one or bold one. If when you play either of those. Those are strong secret actions, but like I said, with Weapons Cache, this card should become stronger over time just because they're, they're going to release more star cards that are secret actions. It would only make sense for them to do so. So this is one to keep an eye on. It'll get stronger as the game progresses. I think uh, yeah. also that you, you mentioned Weapons Cache, Joel. <clears throat> I think between the two of them, if you're looking at Roadbuster or Night Racer, 
and their stratagems. I do think that Roadbuster's stratagem is more likely to become relevant sooner, but I also think that Night Racer's low star cost initially means that the investment that that character requires from your team lineup is just so much lower, like the opportunity cost is just so much lower that even if we see just kind of one secret action that's a star card that is really solid to play with Night Racer on a, on a team with Night Racer, I wouldn't be shocked to see it. I think one of the other points that kind of makes this stratagem better than Roadbuster's stratagem is that because you can spend both stars on secret actions, uh, you can actually play two copies of the same star card secret action, right? Like they don't have to be different names. And whereas like Roadbuster, because you have to play a weapon and an armor, unless we see a star card improved version of something like Crystal of Power, those are going to be different cards. They may very well end up having to be pulling you in different directions as well. Who knows? Um, I think the strategy for Night Racer is so cool. I just – I don't think it necessarily has a place in the metagame yet. But we still have a lot of battle cards left to go. Like like, we were, like we're saying, it's going to get – this character and the strategy will get better over time too. Yeah, I really, really like the strategy quite a bit. I think, yeah, yeah, as everyone has already said, as the game continues to open up and develop, this is going to be really, really cool. Um, grab your night racer while you can. That's all I can say. <laughs> so um, I'm going to have to learn to keep my mouth shut because Richard asked me before the podcast, hey, Joel, which one of these SRTs can you throw the biggest wet blanket on? And I was like, uh, boy, I just really love Autobot Whirl. And he said, okay, well, you can talk about him. So here we go. <laughs> you have a big mouth, man. Autobot Whirl is a helicopter, a wrecker, and ranged. 12 stars, 7 attack, 15 body, 0 defense. When this attacks and you flip at least 1 blue, do 1 damage to each non-defending enemy. In bot mode, he has 6 attack and 1 defense, remains ranged, and says this can't take more than 5 attack damage from a single ranged character's attack. So the reason I'm really not a big fan of this card is he's 12 stars, which means he has to be the centerpiece of your team, and yeah, he's got a big body, and he hits for a lot on the on the initial swing, but this card's really confused because you want to attack in the alt mode so that you can do all that extra damage, and he swings for more attack, but you don't want to defend in that mode, so you have to expose him in that mode with zero defense. I'm just really not a fan of zero defense with 12 stars invested. I, I, I really don't like that. So he's going to take a big old swing, and maybe it's too late to move him into bot mode for the bot mode ability to even have any kind of effect. I don't like playing blue pips in decks where my centerpiece character has zero defense. That seems like a bad idea, personally. I don't think you're maximizing what the character is trying to do when you're doing that. And maybe they intended for this card to be some kind of like mixed pip uh, incentive character, but that's just not what I see it as. I see it as like... A weirdly statted, overcosted, underhealthed character, first 12 stars. Um, the art is really cool. Like there's, you know, and it's a wrecker. So if we get some of the record record cards that are really solid or kind of like change the playability of those characters as a whole, like that could be something that we could look into going forward. But I'm just not super excited by this guy. I think if you're gonna try to limit five attack damage or five damage on attack. At the max, I think you might just want to play Vanguard and some other, you know, some dorks, some smaller characters, uh, like the orange-black Pierce deck from uh, from PPT Orlando, like, as opposed to spending 12 stars on 15 health, which is just like, it's just not that good of a rate, right? Like, you, like think of how many better 12 stars I can come up with off the top of my head, right? Nemesis Prime is better than this card. Uh, you've got Sergeant Springer from Wave 4 who's better than this card. Lord Megatron is better than this card. And, like, that's just at the top of my head. I'm not even really thinking that hard. I mean, even Captain Alita 1 has more health than this card, and that card, that, that guy is, like, not, she's not playable, right? I mean, it's, we're talking about z zero defense, high health characters. I'm not, I'm not excited. I, I wish that I was, but I'm not. Cool, cool. All right, so Autobot World... I, it, it's hard for me to think of a place where he really fits where I'm like, oh man, I've just been waiting for a character like this. At the same time, I do feel like he trades stats for pretty powerful ability. 
anytime he attacks and you flip at least one blue, you get to strafing run every every enemy that's not defending. I it, I kind of feel like it should be every enemy. Um, if it was, this would definitely be quite a bit better. But yeah, I, I feel he's just really so flip intensive for what he is. Maybe if you know ranged is just really getting out of control, maybe he could be a sideboard card if there's some good wrecker abilities to go with him. I, I try to be positive about as many cards as I can be, but really, I think this guy's probably only he'll probably only ever shine as a sideboard card in. He's only taking three attacks at that, and that's assuming they're not actually hitting him with like hovercrafts or marksmanships or any of that stuff. So I, I honestly can't tell you what I see in this guy's future, really. Well, I can tell you that things get even better when we're talking about his stratagem. <laughs> oh boy, really? Yes. <laughs> What's his stratagem do? Pop up attack says when one of your helicopters attacks and you have Autobot Whirl aerial assault on the battlefield. Plan one. That costs a star. You have to play with helicopters. This guy has to still be alive with his zero defense. <laughs> Wait, he still has to be on, in play? That's what yeah, it says. Oh, my God. On the battlefield. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that either. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. Oh, this is the worst stratagem. This is, this is the worst stratagem, bar none. Um, I would be impressed if they printed a worse one. And I don't mean to be, like, disparaging, right? Uh, I think Whirl is a is a much better card than Pop of Attack is. There just aren't that many helicopters, and like would have to have some kind of crazy incentive for putting cards back on top of your deck in order for this to be really relevant. Like I just don't see a world in which this is going to be that relevant. Um, it's card disadvantageous. It costs a star. You have to place. You have to play helicopters. You have to play Whirl. Your helicopters have to be in their helicopter mode. So they have to want to be attacking in their alt mode as well. Yeah, and you plan when you're attacking. You so you can't even do cute stuff like field communicator, whatever you plan. So it's like somehow it makes it worse on top of all the planning uh, niche things that you could do. Yeah, I, I think that it only works with a card like metal detector or anticipation engine, something like that. You know, again, I'm trying not to just shut the door on Quirrell and his stratagem. But um, it's it's kind of hard to even leave it creaking open at the moment. Um, I will say, like Whirl, he is one of the coolest characters uh, lore-wise. I mean, he's a real jerk and is always <laughs> down for a fight. He has a frenemy in Cyclonus in the More Than Meets the Eye uh, IDW comic. And their relationship is just hilarious. It, I mean, it's funny, it's dark, it's cool, and they're both just such jerks to each other, but in this friendly rival kind of way, when they're not actually duking it out, those two characters alone are worth like reading more than meets the eye. I've been meaning to try to pick that up anyway. Um, I don't know if, if this has happened for... Kai, I know you weren't um, as into the lore like when you started playing the game but like as i've started to play the game more like my my curiosity has been peaked and i started to dip it dip my toe in to kind of like the backstory of the ip myself and the idw comics just sound so interesting that I, sooner or later i'm just gonna have to pick them up go get the trade paperbacks okay. you know and it's got a collection of so many of the issues and you can find this stuff on on Amazon. And when you're done reading one, then order the next. It is totally and completely worth reading. Um, you can also get them in, you know, digital uh, as well, which is cool. But um, one last thing about Whirl and the lore. Wait, wait, Kent, before you keep going, my birthday is coming up. That's all I'm saying. Oh, is that a all, hint? All I'm saying is uh, I'm just <laughs> all, I'm just putting that fact out into the ether. The perfect gift. I expect nothing, but I'm mm. just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may uh, be happy with your expectation then. Uh, <laughs> yes. Anyways, I, I would back to him and Cyclonus. Like the the closest thing that I can compare their relationship to is uh, if you ever watch Star Trek Deep Space Nine, is Odo and Quark. So the next character we have up is actually Beachcomber. 
Uh, Beachcomber was revealed today as of the recording of this podcast. And he's an Autobot. He's a car in melee in alt mode for six stars. You're getting three attack, ten health, and two defense. And when you flip to this mode, name a card. If uh, – or sorry, then you reveal the top card of your deck. If the top card of your deck is the named card, you draw three cards. I'm sorry if I did a terrible job of explaining that. But uh, basically, if you pick the top card of your deck correctly, you get to draw three cards, including that card, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and then when he flips to bot mode, he stays melee, gains an attack, and loses a defense. So he's 4-10-1, and then he has focus 1 and some badass art um, on bot mode, just saying. His art is cool. Yeah, I think this card is pretty sick. For six stars, um, like I think you'll love to see this um, in any kind of deck that you know, maybe peaks at the top card of your deck, hint, hint, major shockwave, hint, hint. Or maybe something where maybe you're planning, like maybe you could use him in tandem in limited with something like uh, if you're lucky enough to open Wind Charger, right? I mean, you can use those kind of those guys together to kind of like generate card advantage on the long run for not that many stars. Melee, so he's the worst combat try, which is unfortunate. But ten health is not is nothing bad for six stars. Like I really do think this might be something that can help Major Shockwave come back to the competitive arena. It's a beachcomber. Not not a ton to say about this guy. I do think if you have resources such as Datapad, uh, as far as drawing three cards, I mean, card advantage, I think as the game continues to develop is going to become more and more of a thing. Is it worth six stars and having some ability like Datapad unless you already have another character that helps you plan or battle cards that help you plan like secret dealings. So this actually combos pretty well with one of my favorite cards in this game, Reclaim. So Reclaim is Ooh, yeah. is one of those cards that gives you almost just enough of what you want because you want the upgrade, but you, it puts it on the top of your deck. So I obsess over cards that just let you draw by just flipping, like Springer. I played Reclaim with Springer. I played Reclaim with uh, Sergeant Mirage. That was my actual favorite reason why I played Mirage in uh, Wave 4. Being able to draw three cards is, first of all, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if this was any other card game, this card would be crazy, but this isn't. So bringing that back, um, just so the problem for me with Mirage was seven stars was almost a little too much for the slot that I want to fit it in, which is the reclaim for upgrades slot. So Beachcomber, I think um, I'm probably going to actually try him out with the reclaim stuff because I really just like being able to grab that one of Energy Pack or the one of uh, Laser Cutlass or any of that stuff. And just being able to get two other cards is pretty good. So he's pretty good for a common, yeah. Yeah, he's a common. Yeah, he's so really he's good. So Hopper goodies or junkie on goodies. Kai makes a really good point with Reclaim. I was going to say that while he seems like he would fit in with a Shockwave deck really well because of Shockwave being 14 stars and Beachcomber being 6 stars, and then you, you have your 5-star slot for Flame War or something else, um, that deck's really flip-intensive. You want to be flipping Shockwave over and over. You really wouldn't want to be flipping Beachcomber over and over. So I don't think that that's the place for it. So some sort of niche situation like Reclaim or something else where you're putting cards on top of your deck so that you know exactly what's there is the only kind of deck that this would be worth it. And I'm not sure that that's always worth a combat flip because having three cards, three extra cards, isn't really that big of a deal sometimes because if you lose the game with ten cards in your hand, then... They didn't do you anything. So I, I like Beachcomber for six stars, but I'm not sure that he really has a place right now. Totally reasonable. Um, let's see if his stratagem changes your mind, Joel, because he does have one, um, like most of the characters we got this week, interestingly enough. His is Science Officer. It's one star. It's similar uh, to Night Racer's stratagem or to Roadbuster's stratagem, uh, but it says your deck can have up to one extra star of actions and up to one extra star of upgrades. So I do – I like this stratagem. I think it's probably my second favorite of the, those three that I mentioned behind Stealth Mission because it's not anywhere near as restrictive as Weapons Cache is, but it does still make you play two different star cards, which is unfortunate. I know I mean like you could get Fuel Cache out of it, and then that kind of works with 
any type of upgrade or pip you're trying to flip, but generally speaking, I really I think I would need to see a better place for Beachcomber himself before I was really considering the stratagem. Completely agree with that. I will say his stratagem seems better, at least in some ways, than Roadbusters, where his just granted like a star worth of weapon and a star's worth of armor. This is one star of any upgrade and one star of any action. We'll we'll see, but I do agree that he needs a home first. Yeah, for sure. And even if he does get a home, I think I would I wouldn't be sold on this because of the upgrades. The the only real star upgrade that really gets played is energized field and um, mounted missiles, and those don't, aren't too particularly exciting. Like the main ones that are exciting is the actions like leap of faith or bolt of lightning. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Wait, so. are you not excited to play indestructible sword with this guy? I am very not excited to do that. <laughs> I can reclaim that. Why would I want to reclaim that? <laughs> I think that this stratagem is really neat. I, I wish that it was attached to a different bot so that it would get more use because, as y'all said, just echoing what y'all said, it's he doesn't necessarily go in any decks that we know of right now, so this stratagem might go largely unplayed when it's maybe even the most flexible of the give you extra star cards stratagems. Yeah. Totally. Well, I think that does it for the uh, regular characters, which we got a lot of this week. We do have a body mode to talk about. Cool. We have Fangry. Um, this character is is so awesome, and the art is so cool on it. Uh, this game has never seen art quite like this on his uh, beast mode, his alt mode, because uh, he is this hybrid werewolf bat, and... Oh my gosh, he's like such a cool character in the lore. Also, like after in the original Marvel Comics run, after the uh, Autobots and Decepticons, they kind of unite to beat Unicron. Optimus dies, lives, leaves uh, someone else in charge. No spoiler there. And they're having peace talks. They're having this like, you know, giant meeting conference type of thing. And you Fangry just lashes out in the middle of it. It's like, well, what about, you know, this? And then Grimlock takes a can and like throws it at his, at his head. And he says, shut up, you dumb con, and we'll tell you. And then, of course, that just like leads to Fangry throwing Grimlock through a wall. And then he <laughs> transforms into this beast mode. And it's like a full page spread of, of him. And he looks so awesome. And, it, and then he's like, for daring to strike me, you will die a thousand terrible deaths. And that's like, oh my gosh, it looks so cool on that art um, in the comic. Definitely check that out if you get the chance. Anyway, Fangry, six stars, four attack, 11 health, two defense. Um, when this is attacking an enemy that has more stars than him, he has bold two. Hmm, that's pretty good. <laughs> we flip over to his uh, body mode, where he, he is uh, melee again, and four attack, 11 health, and two defense. When this is defending against an enemy that has fewer stars than him, he has tough two. Uh, really interesting. Reminds me a bit of Apeface, because Apeface has a circumstantial bold two, in one mode and then tough in another which is kind of interesting and definitely makes me think about barrage too because of his bold two and low star cost yeah i think this is better than barrage i'm super excited about this card not to state the obvious but bold two on this six star body it now yes whenever you put a head on there the star count goes up it's not going to be hard to find uh, a character to attack that has more stars than your Fangry. I mean, I guess if you're playing against a six wide deck, it might be kind of hard, but in that case, you know, they're playing a six wide deck. They're probably sort of fighting an uphill battle against you. Anyway, I, I, I'm thinking about Fangry with, with a, with a one star head on it, like maybe Parsec or something like that. And bold three on a seven star on turn one, you're going to find somebody's head to bash in with that guy. I love Fangry so much. You don't have to. You don't have to flip him over. He, he's going to be a house and eleven health, two defense. This this is exactly the kind of card I'm looking for. 
I do like this guy. He's he seems really strong. Just bolt three with the parsec, as you've said, uh, Joel, is just really good because even if he dies, he he did a lot of damage. There are builds that you could play where you could be playing him, parsec, and then another Titan Master with clobber, and then that's just three two guys with bolt three, and this is like, oh my god, this is so crazy to defend against. So it's yeah, this card is this card is really good. One of the things I want to point out is between Fangry, Horrible, Skull Smasher, and Wolfwire and Ape Face, that's five beasts. Some people, you know, there's rumblings that it's only a matter of time before Beast Wars is something that we do in the game, and I'm very much looking forward to that because that's that was part of my introduction to the the, the IP when I was younger. But I will say this. As far as a ball of stats goes, Fangry for six stars blows my mind. 11 health starting. You could even play him with Kreb, right? Any of the one-star heads is reasonable to play, or several of the one-star heads are reasonable to play with Fangry because you want him to be minimum stars as possible for his uh, alt mode ability to be triggering. But, I mean, just like the idea that you get a four-bold two with a ton of health, reasonable defense, it, it, it's, inc- it's unbelievable to me. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if this was the most played aggressive character from this set. I mean, there are some other ones that are pretty decent, right? Like you've got Horrible, you've got um, who we talked about earlier, Wind Charger. Um, there's some really there's some really interesting aggressive characters in this set, but I think Fangry takes the cake. There's so many ways you can play him. You could play him with Clobber. I know they put him up to 10 stars, but 10 is still smaller than most of the centerpiece characters, right? Smaller than General Optimus Prime, uh, Infantry Leader from Wave 3, smaller than Jetfire, smaller than uh, Combined Sky Shadow, smaller than Galaxy Prime from Wave 4, like, smaller than Sergeant Springer. Like, you're still smaller than all of those characters. I mean, there are several characters from this set that will still be smaller than. Smaller than Skull Smasher, Kai. Yep. (laughs) This card is insane. So we're looking at Briscoe. He's plus three health for two for two stars, and on his uh, bot mode side, he's a Titan Master melee, three attack, three health, and zero defense. I don't know really why you would play him, because I feel like you could just get that same amount with just Kreb and then playing a star card like Energize Field or something, and it almost kind of equals the same thing. Well, if the idea was for Briscoe to go with Fangry, then you're talking about a eight star. 14 life character with bold two on on turn one. Fangry, sorry, I'm I don't sorry, I don't mean to talk about Fangry again. I'm just super excited about Fangry, <laughs> but yeah, Brisco Briscoe was released with uh, Fangry, so that seems to be the head that they intended for Fangry. But uh, Briscoe himself isn't fantastic. I do think that three health for two stars is really not that bad. Yeah, I mean, so I think that people's evaluation of Briscoe is going to be a little bit flavored by the fact that the other health-related heads we've already gotten have been insane on rate, right? Like, both Grax and Kreb are nuts on rate. Like, for, for Grax, you're getting five health for three, for three stars, which is almost two health a star. For Kreb, you're getting two health for one star. And Briscoe is just the worst rate of the three of them. I think that's going to flavor people's uh, kind of opinion of him in a negative way. But Briscoe's totally solid. I mean, if you've got the stars to spare and your battle deck is tight, I think you just play Briscoe on a, on a Titan Master over Kreb every single time, uh, in my opinion. Uh, you guys can or f- feel free to disagree with me in that. But there's also the chance that you might be in a deck that, has, that wants to maximize health but play multiple Titan Masters. And in that case, you might want to pair Briscoe with either... Kreb or or uh, Grax as the uh, additional health heads. Who knows, right? Like, um, I think there's plenty of places for this to see play. I think it's rare for a reason. I'm man, like I'm I'm just kind of excited to get my hands on some of these Titan Masters and and play with the heads and bodies myself. Yeah, I wish, man, I wish that it granted plus four because then you would have a real decision on your hands. For me, it feels like why wouldn't you just play Grax over that, um, or or Kreb, either one. It's and oh man, I I hate to even say that because I love the head picture too with the the moon in the background. A lot of the backgrounds on the heads are just not that interesting, 
but the picture's just so cool on this one. But plus three, I just think you get a better rate with the other two heads that grant health. It sounds like I'm the only person who's really positive on this guy. Uh, I will say that this is what I expected the rate to be if we did get HP on a head, but then they showed us Grax, and they're like, oh, well, out the window. And then now we have this one, so... Grax is insane. Like, there's yeah, no one... Yeah, those two are insane, it's, so it's... I, I, I do understand your point, Richard. I think, okay, so that's like 14 heads, I think, that we have through spoilers. I cannot imagine they're going to give us more than, like, 15. Right? Um, like, I, I don't know. I We still have several like uh, Headmaster Titan Masters to go if they all fit into the set. Man, that's insane. Yeah. Like you have Nightbeat, you have Mindwipe, you have Highbrow. I Optimist. Think, and Hosehead. I mean, I think there's there could be quite a few more if they want to release them all in this one set, or they might want to keep some back for future sets. I mean, kind of like, kind of like they have on Combiners. Like we're no, we're pretty confident we're gonna get Optimus and Apex because of the packaging. I would right. think so. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a minimum of fifteen heads because we know there's at least one more. But like, how many? You think of what? Like eighteen heads? That feels like a lot of characters that are gonna be heads in the set. I mean, right. they, did, they did say that there was gonna be more heads than bodies. So right now we have sixteen. We have sixteen. Sixteen. Okay, yeah, I missed it. Perceptor, right? Yeah, you got you got the the one with Perceptor, the Convex. You've also got Arcana, and then you've got the two that come with Fortress Maximus. I don't know if you were counting. Oh, that. I wasn't counting Cerebros or uh, the bad one. Emissary, <laughs> emissary, <laughs> the, bad one. the bad one. It's so bad. Four stars for Focus Two. Come on. I'm reserving my judgment for when I actually play with emissary. Yeah, That's me too. Fair. <laughs> I do think Fort Max is sick though. I've played some like mock-up games with Fort Max. I think he's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I do too. I, I love that guy. Okay, well, uh, I think we're going to call it here for the first part of episode four. We've made it through the character portion, and man, is it just me, or were there just like a ton more traditional characters this week? Woo! Yeah, yeah. I love um, I love the Titan Masters, but love me some traditional characters. Absolutely. <laughs> They're certainly easier to slot into kind of the existing archetypes. They're um, also not annoying to tap. True. Oh, I think that's. I think that's. That's an undersold point of playing a deck that's like based around kind of the more traditional character setup than the headmasters or titan masters. Is tapping the titan masters can uh, uh, exact a toll on my mental health over the course of a night of play. Yeah. At this at this point, I just tap the body and just leave the head like on his hand or something. <laughs> I just I just not cared at this point. Oh man. Yeah, it's probably the way to do it. Anyway, uh, stay tuned for the next part of the episode that has the remaining stratagems from this week and the battle cards that were revealed as well. Um, and like we have said in the past couple episodes, we appreciate all of you out there who are listening. And we want to know if there's anything that we haven't covered uh, that you really like us to. Maybe it's a specific strategic question. Maybe it's about the way we kind of try to evaluate spoilers, anything like that. Um, if you would, go ahead and drop a comment on the video or comment those questions on the Facebook post that inevitably will lead you to listen to the, this podcast. Um, we'll be back before you know it with the rest of this week's spoilers. But until that time, clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose. <laughs>